So uh, we can finally see another Shoot Your Shot episode finally being recorded. Um, honestly, I have to apologize to the three people listening to me out there. It's been about a year since I last uploaded. I don't want to think of it too much like that. I've been trying to like find excuses to have other people up on the podcast to upload episodes using my newly acquired job to as an excuse to basically stop uploading. But I've had enough. This season's been by far one of the most insane seasons in the NBA's full history. So I can't keep watching from the sidelines or from my living room. I've been to a few games. I wanted to talk about them. I have my notes ready. I just haven't brought myself to upload. Um, I feel like future episodes will include another co-host that I'm currently working with to organize our schedules so we're in sync to upload more consistently going forward. However, we are finally back with another episode of Shoot Your Shot. There is a ton of things to talk about in the landscape of the current NBA. The scoring records, the injuries, the all-star snubs. Luka Doncic making a historical run for MVP. He's my MVP, personally speaking. I don't know about y'all, but he's been averaging insane points. He's basically averaging a triple-double without even trying to stat pad like Russ did in 2017. I know I'm going to get some heat for that. I don't dislike Russ. We actually have a blockbuster trade to talk about today that he just got traded with a three-team trade. There's a lot to get into, and I can't wait to get into it with everyone here. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, this season's been one of the craziest seasons in the NBA's history. Donovan Mitchell's been scoring like he has been reborn. He had a 71-point game. The last time we saw that was over 10 years ago. We have a lot of rivalries going up and about, contenders versus pretenders. Honestly, I'm just going crazy watching all of this season take place right in front of me. I can't help but to sit back and watch. I have to start talking about it once again. We have to talk about how Boston, the uh, the um, personally speaking, my least favorite team in the NBA, has been making a historical run with their backcourt, uh, with their duo of uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum can honestly be considered a guard sometimes because of the way he plays, hence why I said backcourt, but he is a small forward, so he plays in the front court. He, I cannot believe that Joel Embiid did not make the all-star their starting spot, and Jason Tatum took it. I know his team's first in the East, however, um, Joel Embiid is uh, casually, I don't know, leading the league in scoring. Um, he has the second best seed as of this recording in the East. I just do not believe that he did not make the starters list. I know he's been injured in the past. I know he missed a handful of games, but the way he plays just shows that he deserves to be an all-star starter. He even went to Twitter along with a multitude of other people just talking about how the NBA is for a lack of better word, rigged nowadays. To be honest, I don't want to throw accusations out there without proof or evidence. However, a quick YouTube search will uh, get you a lot of that information at the same time. Um, we have a lot to get into as well as LeBron's scoring record. He recently broke the all-time NBA scoring record. 
his interview after was hilarious. He was talking about how he got his boys' hotel rooms and he didn't want to pay for one more night, so he wanted to break it tonight instead of waiting till Milwaukee to get it done there, where which is obviously the team that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar got drafted to. And he would have done it in a Lakers uniform, which is the team he ended up going to. So in my mind, that would have been a kind of surreal ending to that whole saga with uh, Kareem passing him the torch. However, it still happened and it was magical. LeBron did it with a step back fade, one of his patented jump shots, touched nothing but net, and then the entire stadium just went berserk. They have been going berserk every night. He was Every time he was touching the ball, he was just on a mission, willing to get it no matter what. He got it in the third quarter even. He didn't wait four quarters and then his um, ankles started hurting him so unfortunately he had to sit on the bench and we saw how AD and Russ, well no, Russ actually did good. He had 28 points I believe. <clears throat> he had the most heart in that game which by now we're finding out is his last Lakers game. I honestly am not the biggest Russ fan but I think he still got done wrong. Um, they were just trying to move him no matter what. They even had to go through a three-team trade to make it happen. We'll discuss the details of that later on in today's episode. However, we just have to sit back and realize LeBron's greatness nowadays. He is by far one of the goats to play the game. He has broken the all-time scoring record at the age at the ripe age of 38 years old. And he needed 38,388 points to do so. There's been conspiracies about this whole record being broken, about how Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, formerly known as Al Cinder, broke the record when LeBron was actually conceived in the year of 1985, and then how LeBron took 38 years to break the record from when he was born, and how he needed 38,388 points to break the record. A lot of uh, numbers overlapping there. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but honestly, there's a lot of coincidences with this record, just like the NBA in general. A lot of records and stats just end up not making sense by how much they make sense in terms of the numbers overlap and the amount of time it took to do accomplish such things. LeBron, right now, the premier scorer in the entire NBA at the age of 38, he is not slowing down. He has been averaging over 35 points in his last handful of games. He is going crazy. He's on a mission to not sit down and watch the Lakers basically just give up. But I think they're going to have a lot more life after the trade just happened. So uh, to answer a lot of people's questions of if LeBron is washed, um, yeah, I don't think he is. I think he's playing better than 23-year-olds are in the season today. But yeah, there's a lot of nice things happening in this season. I just couldn't help but talk about everything with one jumbled up episode. We could start off with the the East to see how they're doing in the Eastern Conference standings. Of course, Boston is still number one. They have a historic offensive rating. They are going crazy against everyone they are playing they're currently sit at 38-16 and 16 in the Eastern Conference, which is the current best record in the NBA, followed by the Denver's Nuggets with one less loss. Or one more loss. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, honestly, 
Boston has a hell of a team. They're making a crazy run. I remember when the season started, everyone was talking about how because their head coach just got fired because of the whole scandal that was going on, that they're going to regress, take a step back to kind of pull themselves together before making that run. But their current head coach stepped in with zero beats to miss. He just went straight up and everyone was playing out of their minds. They basically started the season really well and they have been kind of struggling as of recently they went through a stretch where they lost five games and only having won one however the duo of the Jays Jalen Brown Jason Tatum honestly I don't think there's a better duo in the league and that I say that with a heavy heart because I am by far the worst fan when it comes to Boston. I don't like Boston. I'm a Lakers fan at heart. So saying they have the best duo in the NBA right now, the best young duo as well, is a lot to say. However, that is the truth. We have to remain objective when we're talking about um, the facts when it comes to the current NBA as it stands today. Jason Tatum even edged uh, Joel Embiid for the starting role at the All-Star game, like I just said. I can't believe that's the case. However, that's what the NBA thinks is right. So I'm not going to stand in their way. But you have to give a pat on the back to Boston about how they've handled their situation with Ime getting fired, their current head coach stepping in, taking the job, and they've just been eyes on the prize, losing to bad teams on back-to-backs mostly where that those games don't really matter as much as they once did. So they have... A very good trajectory. They're on pace to win 65 plus games this season if they keep it up. And honestly, um, that would be a season to remember. But in my humble opinion, or um, maybe not the most objective one, but I think they're, uh, even if they make it out of the West, I don't think they're going to win this year's title. I think they have yet a lot more experience to accrue before that happens, whether it be during the playoffs or uh, just uh, getting out of the East, which they did last year. I think in the finals, the pressure got to them. And uh, even though that'll be their second run this season, I just uh, I don't want to see them succeed. So I'm going to say that they're not good. Even though they're by far the title favorites, if I were to put money down on a team that would win as of today, I would put it on Boston. However, my heart is telling me that they won't win, and I hope that that would be the case. We want to shift our focus to um, the other teams in the Eastern Conference. Milwaukee has been on a tear, and Chris Middleton's been super in and out of the lineup. However, Giannis is on a mission, having another MVP-like season, going insane, going berserk. He is averaging over 30 points on very, very, very consistent shooting. He's just basically rollerblading his way from 94 feet across each side of the court every time. He just gets by anyone, no questions asked. He just lays it up, dunks it. He just pries through you like a bully, gets the job done, gets buckets. Honestly, he deserves more respect. He's not my favorite player either when it comes to playing ball because he is the definition of a bona fide slasher. However, you cannot disregard the way he's playing the game. He is 
playing the game the right way. He's making the right pass. Just like LeBron mentioned when he broke his scoring record, there's a lot of people nowadays that simply do not play the game the right way. And even worse, do not teach the game the right way. It's all about ISOs, getting threes, and not really incorporating the rest of your team as a team game, as this game should be played. How the greats have played it and how LeBron is insinuating it should be played as well. Moving forward from the Bucks, you have my favorite personal team to watch in this Eastern Conference today, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I thought I would never ever say something like that after LeBron left, but the Cleveland front office actually did a really good job teeing up and basically just cashing in on all of their draft picks. They drafted Darius Garland, which is personally my favorite player after Donovan Mitchell. Actually, no, I like Darius Garland a lot more than Donovan Mitchell because Donovan gets all this, the praise and the media attention, whereas Garland is just low-key averaging 21-8 and eight with Mitchell on the floor, which is berserk. You just don't do that as a point guard. He's playing the one the way it should be played. I think he was snubbed personally. I think he should have been an all-star. There was a lot of all-stars that actually shouldn't have made the team, like... Triple J, I love you, man, but you just weren't good enough. Like, there's a lot of better people that should have made the All-Star game. I know you're leading the league in blocks. There's that whole conspiracy about how the scorekeeper in the Grizzlies arena is giving him more blocks than he should be getting. So I'm just saying there's a lot better people playing objectively. And a better solution, to be honest, when it comes to the All-Star game is by the sheer number of players in today's league compared to like when it was in the 70s and the 80s. We should actually petition the NBA and Adam Silver to create a larger All-Star squad because then there will simply be more people that make the team other than relying on people to get injured and having replacements. You would have people that deservedly want to make the team and have worked for it throughout the whole first half of the season actually make it rather than having to count on someone getting injured which is never the case that we want with any of our players so i am a huge supporter of actually getting the all-star game quota increased so a lot more players in today's game get to make it as compared to how it used to be in the past because there was simply less good players and now the talent is off the charts. There is a lot of players that deserve to make it. They get snubbed every year. Don't you remember how Wizards guard the one and only Bradley Beal missed the All-Star game in 2020 when he was leading the league in scoring? I have never seen anybody get snubbed that hard in my entire life. And I'm about to go through the list of snubs right now. However, there has never been anyone leading the entire NBA in scoring that has failed to get to the All-Star game as a starter, never mind a reserve. He completely got snubbed, and that was by far one of the most biggest snubs I've seen in the All-Star break. A lot of notable snubs this year include people like De'Aaron Fox, which I think, to be honest, DeMontis Sabonis has been having a better statistical season, but I think they should have both made it because there is 
usually two spots for the top two to three teams in their respective conferences. However, De'Aaron Fox, when the Sacramento Kings haven't made the playoffs since like something like 2005, it's their first time in over 20 years making the playoffs, and he gets snubbed. And they're in third place in the in the West. Like that's just that's just like berserk. That's that shouldn't happen. But if we stick to the West, I don't think Zion Williamson should have started because by that logic, Anthony Davis should have started because they basically have the same amount of minutes played. Like Zion sits out so many games, but he still made the All Star game. Whereas Anthony Davis was in the MVP conversation before he got injured, like he usually does. And that's no smack against Anthony Davis because that's the way his body is built. He's a fragile player. That's why he doesn't want to play the five because a lot of people his height are a lot heavier than him and go through a lot more conditioning and have just larger strength levels when it comes to AD. But AD still sacrificed what he wanted to do for the betterment of the team. He became one of the most unstoppable centers in today's game, at least for the first half of the season before he got injured, before the 2023 year came about. And after that, he basically just started sitting games, just like Zion did. And then Zion made the all-star team as an all-star starter. I don't think that makes sense. A lot of the other Western starters make sense. That LeBron obviously just broke the scoring record. Nikola, Nikola Jokic, he's my favorite center in the league by far. He is super statistically um, gifted. He just knows what to do on the court. His value over replacement is by far the most it's been, I think, since the stat came about. So to be honest, like Nikola, Nikola Jokic just deserves everything that's come to him. Two straight MVPs and all-star starter nod this season. Steph Curry, no explanation needed. Luka, no explanation needed. The best two PGs in today's game in the Western Conference. The Western bench. Paul George is an iffy start er, reserve spot because, to be honest, um, he's been out a lot too. So... I don't know about that one. I think there was better people that could have made it instead. But uh, I really am a fan of PG's game. So to be honest, I think that he can... Like, he didn't get... A lot of other people who just straight up didn't deserve to make it did. So Paul George, I'm not going to give him that much slander. It's still better than nothing else. But the main snubs when it comes to... The all-star game in my opinion are James Harden like how can you be the second person in the entire league leading in assists and not have the all-star game he's been an all-star since he basically got traded to Houston year after year but then you choose DeMar DeRozan over J- like are you serious I am the biggest DeMar DeRozan fan I'm a Raptors fan at heart him and Kyle Lowry will forever have a broship that will never be broken. But you can't take someone from the 12th place in the East and then pick them as an all-star when James Harden, who is in third place as of this recording, and the team's second best player, like, are you serious? It's DeMar DeRozan. He's a good player, but he doesn't average as many assists, not as many rebounds, not as many points. Er, he has a, he has more points than... Um, than James Harden does, but it just simply doesn't make sense because his team is so down low. Like, it just doesn't make sense. 
Um, Jimmy Butler got snubbed, in my opinion. I, if I were to choose one of the Heat's uh, like all-star nods, I would definitely give it to uh, Jimmy Butler. He's a lot better than Bam Adebayo. I know Bam Adebayo has been more available, but I would simply just replace him with uh, Jimmy because he is way more important to that team. He just has better defense, better stats around the board. He deserved the all-star nod instead of his teammate. Honestly, another big one is Julius Randle. He definitely did not deserve to make it over his point guard counterpart, which has been going insane this season for New York after the Mavs trade. Jalen Brunson has been on a tear. He is making a name for himself. He deserved recognition by making the all-star game. But Julius Randle did for some reason, even though their bona fide closer is Jalen Brunson, I don't know why he got snubbed like that. I don't think he deserved it. One young player who I think did deserve the All-Star game is Tyrese Halliburton. I think that trade was super productive when it came to the Kings and the Indiana Pacers. He is going on a tear. He is just basically feeding everyone assists while scoring threes at a historic rate. Like, you can't do that without being an insane talent. He deserves uh, the recognition for the work he's put in. I think the fit with De'Aaron Fox, who got snubbed, <laughs> was uh, kind of questionable in Sacramento. So now they basically gave him his own team to do whatever he wants. And uh, you're seeing the results by him leading the entire league in, in uh, assists. So I think he definitely deserved to make the game. Um... The East All-Star starters, honestly, all of them make sense, except for Jason Tatum being subbed with Joel Embiid. I think Tatum should have been reserved. He's still too young. Joel has better experience, more points, just better stats all around. In my opinion, he should have edged him out when it comes to the starters. However, the people have spoken, and they wanted Jason Tatum's less experienced play on the court as a starter. But when it comes to other snubs, I personally think Siakam was the first person in NBA history to average 26, 8, and 6 and not make the All-Star game. So being a Raptors fan, I'm not really a huge fan of Siakam per se, but I think his work should have been acknowledged and recognized and put into the All-Star game. Whereas people like Drew Holiday have worse stats in every single category but still made it because they're the second seed. And they deserve two people. But with that logic, De'Aaron Fox should have made it on top of maybe someone like Laurie Markkinen, which their team is not doing well at all. He deserves a lot of recognition, maybe in an MIP standpoint, most improved player. But when it comes to All-Stars, you have to look at the entirety of the stats. And I think somebody like Siakam should have edged them out when it comes to that. The other All-Star appearances are honestly fine i think jaron jackson jr made it a year too early there's simply better people in the west like De'Aaron fox who should have made the team even people like devin booker even though he missed that much time they're just better than jaron jackson jr when it comes to making the all-star nod honestly it's still a good weekend we're gonna see everyone there even people like Aaron Gordon by team placement or Jamal Murray, but Aaron Gordon, because he's a forward, should have edged out people like JJJ. But 
the people have spoken. There were young players that do deserve recognition. I just think a lot of them were a year or two early. While we we're still appreciating the fundamental heart of the league with people like Aaron Gordon who go to work every day without complaining. So that's basically it when it comes to the All-Star game. Honestly, I think Garland should have made it as well given their seed in the East right now is at fourth place. But the Eastern Guard spots were very, very saturated. You can't really take away Kyrie Irving or Donovan Mitchell. So you could have argued that he could have replaced someone like Drew Holiday or DeMar DeRozan. However, that simply wasn't the case because the NBA wanted it that way when it came to the coaches, at least, because they're the ones who picked the reserves. There have been a lot of snubs every year. This year wasn't different, and that's just how it is. People are going to have to do even more work to get their stuff recognized because the sheer amount of talent in today's NBA is unprecedented. I think, just as I stated before, there should be more all-star spots. I don't think however many we have per team now is applicable to today's NBA. There has been, by percentage, a lot less people make the All-Star game every year, especially in recent history, because of the sheer amount of how many people play in today's NBA. So I think it should be expanded to include at least 30 players so we can see all of their magic, ecstatic hoop when it comes to them just doing and mastering their craft on today's stage the biggest one in Utah. Honestly, it is what it is. I think um, people like Jimmy Harden and AD will work a lot harder next season to prove that they belong. And honestly, everything's a blessing in disguise. Maybe this is just what they needed to play better for the rest of the season, to have that fuel the fire within them to become the best versions of themselves they can be. Moving on, I want to address Donovan Mitchell's 71-point game earlier this season. Like, we haven't seen something like that since Kobe against my Raptors. He scored 81. Donovan in an OT win against the Bulls, where DeRozan's 44 literally were swept under the rug. 44 points, just like Cam Thomas has been having for back-to-back -back games, joining AI in literally nobody's history. When it comes to the Brooklyn Nets, it's just him and AI that has three back-to-back-to-back 40-point games. Like, you see the amount of recognition Cam Thomas got? It's like the door was open when Kyrie left. But DeRozan's 44 were literally swept under the rug because Donovan scored 71. Dude went crazy. He, did, he pulled the Luka off the backboard to go into OT, win the game in OT. He just hadn't missed a beat. I'm so happy Donovan got out of Utah. He's getting a good team where he can lead them to a good playoff berth, and hopefully they can grow together with their small pieces that they have right now with their young players and just basically end up making the NBA Finals in the next five seasons because Donovan is by far the oldest of that squad, and he's just 25 years old. So you can consider the amount of maturing that people like Jared Allen, Evan Mobley have to do with their front court. I just I just see that being an insane, insane NBA team in a couple of years. I'm super excited to keep watching them. Their backcourt is super shifty with the ball so fast. They can make any jumper in people's faces. 
it doesn't matter they're gonna stick the landing they're gonna not get nothing but net and they're just gonna go insane when it comes to scoring I love to see Clay Thompson's 54-point resurgence. He really needed something like that. Steph was out, so this man was like, give me the keys to the franchise. You guys did not think I was a top 75 player? Well, he's a 54-point game. And more recently, he had 12 threes in a game. So we're starting to see shades of that original Clay Thompson back in action, which I love. Clay is one of the best players. I think he got snubbed when it came into the top 75 list last year. People like Damian Lillard, who I love, made it, but honestly, Clay deserves some love too, and that hasn't been acknowledged by the NBA for one of one half of the Slop Splash brothers and one half of the best shooting backcourt in today's NBA. Honestly, man, he should have made it. Donovan's OT game, the 71-point game, can you believe that he had scored or assisted on 99 points of that game? So individually, if he wasn't on the court, he would have 99 points would have been unaccounted for. That's more than anyone in the last 70 years since Wilt scored 100 against the Knicks, bro. That's more than anyone in the last 70 years. Like Donovan Mitchell deserves his flowers. He's making the start when it comes to the All-Star game. Super happy he's doing that. Wanting to see more and more of this Donovan Mitchell performances. Just going insane in front of everyone. No matter who you are, he's just going to lace them up, play it, and play his best game. And he's not afraid of the moment, which I love to see in today's NBA players. Honestly, moving forward, if you know, you know. Um, I feel like a lot of trades in the recent dynamic of today's NBA have been just because the players' empowerment movement recently. To be honest, like 10, 15 years ago, if Kyrie was playing for the Nets and he was like, yo, give me a trade, I don't think he would have been traded. Like, I was one of the few who said that he's going to stay put this season because every time we have mid-season trade requests come up, most of the time they don't materialize. Like the James Harden trade, this Kyrie Irving trade, were exceptions to the rule. Like It's up to the franchise to see what they want to do with you. Being that Kyrie was on an expiring deal and he threatened them to walk away when it came to free agency, I think they wanted to get the best possible package they could for him and they decided to rejoin forces with uh Dinwiddie which is everyone's favorite maybe um not starting point guard but honestly I'm very ecstatic to see what Kevin Durant's gonna do about this he has a decent team uh, they improved a lot more defensively but I think they're gonna use that 2029 first round pick they got from Dallas uh, as a trade piece to further improve their team because the amount of picks they owe for that James Harden trade to Houston, they owe every single pick and pick swap till 2027. So I don't think they're trying to rebuild anytime soon because they simply cannot afford to do so. Therefore, I think Kyrie got maybe the best possible situation. I think he's going to finesse the Mavericks, to be honest with you. Because he is the most undependable player when it comes to availability and just sheer antics off the court. 
Um, I am personally one of his biggest fans. I love the way he handles the ball. I love the way he dribbles. I love the way he pulls up in anyone's face to drain the shot. I love watching him play. As Stephen A. Smith says, he is plain box office. Just insane talent. A fanatic's experience when you're watching him. You just get up and you go crazy watching the game. However, at the same time, I think judging by the fact that he wants a mass extension... And Dallas has the cap space, but they're not sure if he's going to take the offer, being the fact that he's a free agent. I think after this current Lakers trade that just happened, in which they moved Russ and they acquired D'Lo and a lot of wing defenders, he has a less of a case to get moved to the Lakers next season. But you can still see a light at the end of the tunnel because this is Delo's last year of his contract as well. He is on an expiring contract. So the Lakers will still have decent cap space come this uh, next season. And we are honestly super excited to see what's going to happen in the summer because if I had to put my money on it, I don't think Kyrie is going to stay unless they have like a really insane playoff run, which with... People like Luka and Kyrie, you can never put a ceiling on that. Their ceiling is the finals. They just don't have defense. So if they do, it's a good trade move deadline before the end of the deadline, which is this Thursday, which is tomorrow. (laughs) I think that they have a very, very good push in them for the rest of the season when it comes to the playoffs. I'm really excited to see how Luka and Kyrie, which are two ball-dominant guards, are going to play with one another. Um, honestly, sky's the limit for that team. Just wanting to see what happens in terms of how far they will get to the end of the season. So now I want to focus a little bit more on this Russell Westbrook trade that literally just happened. So I kind of saw it happen, and I'm like, It's been like, I don't know, a hundred topics I've wanted to discuss in this podcast, and I haven't discussed any. So let me run through a hundred topics and focus on today's landscape, which is basically even more insane than how the season has been going. So basically, let's go through this trade. The Lakers trade Russell Westbrook to the Utah Jazz for D'Angelo Russell and Jared Vanderbilt and the Wolves get Mike Conley man poor Mike Conley man he's just been traded all the way from the Grizzlies when he was a younger player to the Utah Jazz thought he's gonna make a playoff push ever since he came into the league he's been fighting with my personal favorite player Kyle Lowry for a spot on that Memphis team and then when he made the cut They traded Kyle to Houston, which ended up making him a Raptor for nine years. And he won a chip while Mike Conley's getting traded to the T-Wolves right now. So, didn't age really well, but honestly, he's a good player. Hopefully, he can help the Wolves. So, the full details. Lakers get D-Lo, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt. Which is really good because then they have 
Vanderbilt, who is a perfect wing defender and exactly what they need to become a better team. So now they're spacing out the floor with D'Lo, who is a questionable three-point shooter, but at least he takes the shots. Like, honestly, that doesn't make a lot of sense because late the Russell Westbrook's last game for the Lakers, he was just pulling up like he didn't give a you-know-what, and he made three out of six of his threes, which is 50%. So that's really good for someone like Russ's caliber. Like, he, I, I, he's not my favorite player, but reasons as to why I respect Russell Westbrook, because A, he gives you the most effort out of anyone that gets paid in that ballpark, right? He's just running 80, 94 feet, basket to basket coast to coast he's just getting every rebound he's fighting over people that are like nine inches taller than him to get boards and he's just giving you all he can on that effort he has a very 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 good will to show everyone that he is trying his best and when it comes to taking threes someone like ben simmons for example he can't make threes for beep right but he doesn't even try to take them at least Russell Westbrook shooting in the 29% range but at least he pulls up he's averaging about three to five three-pointers attempted every single game like you can't put down someone for trying to improve like man's not a shooter he has a massive wingspan for someone his height just like Ja. Jaw's not a shooter. He slashes why he's a younger Russell Westbrook they're the same height with an insane wingspan Players like that just simply can't shoot because their arms are too long. Look at Desmond Bain, for example. Uh, John Moran's teammate, his backcourt duo in Memphis. Man's a 6'5", but with a 6'3 wingspan. I think that's the only NBA player I've ever heard of who has a 2-inch smaller wingspan than his height. That's why he's a sniper. Because his hands are so short that his release is so fast, and every time he keeps practicing that... It's just nothing but net. But when it comes to people with 6'9 wingspans and 6'8 wingspans at a 6'3 frame, when it comes to their height, it's just simply harder to shoot because your motion when it comes to pull up is a two motion shot. Like you're taking the ball in your shooting pocket and then you're raising up and then you're releasing. Whereas people like Steph Curry, his wingspan isn't that much taller than him. So he can just, well, he's the best shooter in the world, so he's like an exception. But he's, his, his shot is still a one-motion shot. If he had longer arms, then that wouldn't be the case. Look at seven-footers who shoot, like uh, <clears throat> yours truly, who just made the All-Star game, Lowry Markinen. His, his shot is a slower shot because of his sheer wingspan. He's so tall that he can't gather himself that fast to get that shot off. And in the NBA, all you need is less than one second to get a shot off. And that's how much people fight to get open, to get open for less than one second. So people like Russ, if they're not wide open, um, they're going to have a hard time shooting. And moreover... Even if they are wide open, they still have to gather themselves and go through that two-motion shot, which statistically has a way less um, percentage of getting in because of the nature of the shot that he's taking. And that's not a, a knock on him because 
just like I said, he brings you unmatched energy and effort when it comes to the court. It's just simply not a good fit with two people that are 6'9 plus that also want to attack the rim all the time. You need someone like Kyrie, like Steph, now Dilo, who is a point guard that's willing to shoot the ball so people like LeBron and AD can thrive when it goes to the inside of the paint and just own that part of the game. But when you have rust, then the spacing on the court is just going to be trash. And then you're simply not going to get as quality shots off when it comes to wanting to get that edge over your opponent. That's why the Lakers keep losing, because they simply have no spacing when it comes to their current lineup. But I really like this trade for the Lakers, to be honest. You got to give kudos where it's due. The GM, the GM came in clutch. Now, honestly, Palinka, he did a pretty good job when it comes to this trade. I didn't see Russ being moved at all, especially when Kyrie Irving got traded to the Mavs. But after this, I feel like the Lakers have that much more energy to test out their new starters, hopefully. So now they have P-Bev, they have Vanderbilt, they have Beasley. Those, those are all good defenders. So I'm really intrigued to see how they're going to play beside LeBron and AD. That's a really, really good trade for the Lakers, and I'm excited to see how far it gets them because you know LeBron James. He's not going to sit down and kind of cry about his situation. He's going to make the best out of it. And his focus, like he said in his interview with Wilbon, it's going to shift right after that Kyrie trade. Kyrie also watched that interview, and he said the exact same thing when he got asked about wanting to go to the Lakers. He said, yeah, I was optimistic about it, but now my focus is shifting to my current situation. And that's exactly what LeBron said, which Kyrie took from him. And now his focus will shift to a better team that he currently has. And on top of all that, they're still going to have cap space when it comes to the summer. So they might even strike out on a better free agent. Maybe Kyrie, you never know. But after all this talk on all those teams, I got to touch on my personal favorite popular player, at least, because my favorite player is Kyle Lowry, as you all know. The, the growth, the greatest Raptor of all time. However, my favorite big-name player is Kevin Durant. I know he gets a lot of heat for making that move, but honestly, even from like one of your top fans, bro, this move is looking cruised come this time because you left a dynasty to want to create your own legacy, right? So Mans went to Brooklyn because the most unassertive and unreliable, independable player, Kyrie Irving, told him he had two max spots. Let's go there. We'll build the team. We'll work with management. Like Kyrie talks in interviews sometimes. Like he is the GM. He's like, oh, we're going to work with the GM team to try to formulate a better team. Like, what do you mean, bro? You're a player. You, just because you're a good player, just because you're a max player, don't mean that you're going to work with the front office to set up the team. You're not going to manage the franchise, my guy. However, KD being the good person that he wants to do, and all he wants to do is just hoop, right? He sees Kyrie, he sees two max spots, he sees the good team, Joe Harris, which sold him in the 2021 playoffs by missing like three shots in a row. One of the NBA's best career three-point shooters, like they have the spacing they need, they just got to go to work, right? So they see that that's not really working the first season because KD was still injured, Kyrie had to lift the load. So they want to maybe trade for, I don't know, one of the best ISO scorers of all time in James Harden. And then that dude leaves after a season and a half. And then Kyrie leaves after three seasons where he played almost as many games as he's missed. And now he's stuck with Ben Simmons. Oh my God. 
Man is stuck with Ben Simmons from Steph and Clay Thompson. He now has Ben Simmons, who is not even a glorified role player. He is a bad role player. Man's averages, like what, 6, 6, and 6? That's even worse than Draymond Green, and Draymond Green's 32. He's not a good shooter, too. He plays with the best shooter in the world, but he still takes open shots. Ben Simmons doesn't do any of that. I don't know why he was so hyped up when he came into Philly. He even won the Rookie of the Year in his second year. Like, man's been having everything go his way, which is the reason he turned out to be that spoiled little kid where essentially he it's just his way or the highway because no one else gives enough of a rat's, you know what, to please him nowadays. So all he's doing is just being like, oh, I'm not going to score anymore because I'm scarred from that Atlanta series when I wanted to pass the ball to avoid the free throw line. Like, I'm not discounting all the mental stuff he went through because he is human at the end of the day. And getting backlash like he did because of what he did won't, like, just become better overnight. You have to deal with that. But at the same time, you're one of the most privileged people in the world. Your paycheck is over $25 a year, $25 million a year. Like... I just, I see him handling that whole situation a lot better than he did and not being as big of a crybaby as he once was. Again, not discrediting what he went through mentally. However, even if you go through that and you fix it and you end up becoming a better person or so what people say, you're supposed to show that on the court and make people believe that you're worth your contract. After his contract's going to get up, I don't think any team's going to sign him for more than $5 million a season. He's worth a mid-level exception max. Why? Because he doesn't do anything. All he does is dribbles down the floor, gives you the ball and sets the screen, and then goes and sits under the basket and doesn't even get rebounds because he's not that tough. He's not that kind of player. He doesn't thrive in those situations. Yeah, but that's pretty much it. I wanted to touch on those teams. Maybe we'll talk about the Raptors for a couple of minutes, but honestly, I don't want to because they're doing horrible. They're currently 11th in the East, and they're not looking like they're going to try to tank to get a good draft pick. Like, I'm not sure why they're not trying to get someone like Wembenyama because no one wants to go to Toronto anyways. Um, Like, Fred Van Leet's been in a lot of trade rumors as well. I really hope he stays because I like him a lot more than I like Siakam. I I just think he's a better all-around player when it comes to, like, dictating the pace of the game, playing a lot better defense. I think Siakam often thinks the caliber of player he is and sometimes gives up on that part of the floor, especially because Toronto only has wing players. They don't really have a true center. So I honestly think that... Fred should stay and Siakam should go, but I don't think that's going to happen because everyone disagrees with me pretty much. I think the franchise likes Siakam more. Everyone does when it comes to the way he plays. He averages more points, and it doesn't help that Fred's having literally the worst season he's had ever since he got... Oh, he didn't even get drafted ever since he came into the league. He's an undrafted superstar. That's why I like him. He had like the massive underdog story, which basically just proved to everyone that he's better than everyone gave him credit for. And now he's struggling, which is not good, obviously. But man's helped you win a championship. After having a kid, he just basically like turned on a switch and made every single shot in the finals. And the playoffs leading before 
to the finals. But honestly, I really hope they both stay put and they start tanking because uh, don't look like you guys are going to get anywhere. Because even if you get a play-in spot, who are you going to beat Boston and Milwaukee and Philly in the first round? Like, just stop. Like, it's not worth trying, you know? At this point, just tank to get a better draft pick. You have a good core, but it's not materializing, at least for the season. So might as well try to find another way out. Anyways, I think that's basically most of the teams I wanted to talk about. I know Portland's doing really well. Anthony Simons is basically like writing a new name for himself. I think he's also in trade rumors. So the Portland Trailblazers could prove to Dame that they are willing to make one final push. Honestly, Damian Lillard is one of my favorite point guards. I think he's wasting his talent, but he's too loyal. And honestly, in today's day and age, that's the rarest form of breed in human history, to be honest, because no one stays this loyal when it comes to like wanting to have a good legacy for a top 75 player of all time that Damian Lillard is. But then again, I'm not going to knock someone for being loyal to their team. That's totally a personal thing, and I honestly respect him for doing that. I just think he's going to be remembered as that person who never won a championship, even though he was way too good to do so, like a Clyde Drexler or something like that. I think he deserves a way better uh, legacy when it comes to him after retirement, so I really hope he kind of finds a way to cash in on a championship at least before he retires because he is definitely deserving of one given the way he plays. Golden State started off with a very, very, very bad outlook when it came to the season, but then their uh, finals MVP and two times MVP and a best time shooter in the entire universe propelled them to the seventh seed that they currently are. And then when he got injured, his brother in splashing law, Clay Thompson, continued to do the same. Jordan Poole is not playing how he is getting paid to play, at least next season. So I really, really hope he gets used to the coverages that he's saying is the reason that he's getting guarded like he's the team's best player. Well, if you're getting paid like that, you're going to get guarded like that by the team's best wing defenders. So you better get used to it and play like you're getting paid. Because if you don't, then the Warriors are in a huge downfall. But honestly, I think that's pretty much it. The landscape of the league is like... Uh, league we've never seen before there are there are about i want to say let me let me find out there is seven people averaging over 30 points a game and that hasn't been the case since ever you know why because there's that much talent in today's league and that feeds off the argument that i was trying to say whereas people should be recognized for their efforts by expanding the all-star game draft there should simply be more people recognized because there hasn't been this many good people ever before. Landscape of the league is something like we've never seen before. I really hope my guy OG Ananobi doesn't get traded because I like him a lot more than Siakam and he's like the defensive presence and stability we need for a Raptors team that wants to contend again in the future. However, given all that, Love to see how Nick Claxton on the Nets is just protruding to become a way better player than he ever was. He's about 50 times better than he was in his better season and best season before this. Super happy to see that. I hope he can help KD or not. Maybe not even get him traded. We'll see. Tomorrow's trade deadline is about to be a hit or a miss. Could not wait to record this episode until then. I just felt like I had a lot left to give this podcast. 
Um, for the three people that are listening to me, um, thank you so much for making it this far in. And for the zero people that have actually made it this far in, hopefully we keep growing and we keep improving. I just kind of wanted to get back on track because I love talking basketball and I have it for a long time because of multitude of reasons that shouldn't be the case. However, we back and we getting it on track and we're not stopping anytime soon. Thank you for listening.